Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting right next to me at the table is Jenny. Hello. And the only person on the call who's not eating a snickerdoodle right now, <laughs> it's Megan. Hello. That feels like a personal attack. Um, because I would like to be eating snickerdoodles, but I don't have access to them in the same way you do. Yeah. My neighbors don't cook for me. (laughs) I went on a walk with a neighbor and she gave me a bag of snickerdoodle cookies. I was pretty happy. Ugh. So jealous. Well, your jealousy will have to wait because we've got so much to get into today. (laughs) I'll put it aside. And it all starts with the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Jenny. Over here, I am drinking a Spindrift Raspberry Lime. Out of a champagne glass. The classiest way. Hopefully that goes well with Snickerdoodle cookies. Yeah. We'll see. It might be a little tart. (laughs) All right. Megan? Uh, I am actually, I, I, I believe, drinking the same thing I drank last week, and it is a wine called Wonders, and it's the one with no sugar and made with organic grapes. That sounds Ooh. familiar. Yes, I got two of them from Wink, and you know what? I'm glad, because I enjoyed it. So, oh, good. here we go. Wow, okay. I don't, I don't know how strong of a sound that made, but... I mean, I heard it. Okay. Um, I do feel like uh, for a second I was just thinking like, wow, bottle of red wine lasted a week. Oh, Megan's no. house? No, no, <laughs> there were two. I would have had to have left the house for literally a week. Come on, come on. All right. Uh, before we get into uh, the other stuff, I want to say shout out to new fan of the show, Adam who is a friend of mine who I think discovered the show through Jason Spencer's Facebook live stream that I didn't end up being on. So. Hell of a journey to get here, but we yeah. love to have you. Yeah. All right. So with that said, let's talk about all elite wrestling and uh, the Tony verse at large, because I watched Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. Jenny watched part of it. Mm -hmm. And Megan, did you get a chance to catch it? I have not watched it yet, but I plan to because it sounded fun. Okay. Well, I'm going to spoil every match for you. (laughs) That's okay. I mean, I feel like I kind of have an idea anyway based on who the competitors are. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably, probably, probably fair. Um... So this apparently did pretty good business, is what uh, is what I hear from uh, TK. He said they were like charting at like twenty five thousand digital buys. Uh, so if you add in, you know, terrestrial pay per view, this will probably end up as like the third or fourth most purchased Ring of Honor show ever, inclu- which which includes All In. Wow. Yeah. So not bad. Um, they're building a brand, you know. Sure, sure. Did yeah. they have, did he say if he had like a goal 
sort of viewer level he was trying to reach or or just no, that it was like higher than he expected i think yeah it was just like higher than he expected no well, i don't think it was higher than he expected i think it was just he was happy with the numbers mm. okay yes that's a good pre way to to say that yeah so uh the team the rounds team was uh ian riccaboni and caprice coleman who aew viewers have probably become familiar with thanks to mostly dark or not dark uh, rampage uh over the past six weeks or so and uh william regal sat in for two of the matches the world title match and the pure title match and uh lexi nair was used as the backstage interviewer so lots of lots of aew people uh hanging around nice. and let's talk about results. Now, I did not see the pre-show, but I can tell you that Colt Cabana defeated uh, Anthony Henry of the Work Horseman with J.D. Drake at ringside. The Trust Busters, the team of Arya Davari and Slim J, defeated the Shinobi Shadow Squad of Cheeseburger and Eli Isom. Those are words that you said. And do you remember Tully Blanchard Enterprises, Megan? Yes. Well, we were informed that uh, Prince Nana, a, uh, a Ring of Honor luminary of years past, uh, had returned and purchased Tully Blanchard Enterprises from Tully Blanchard, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, and renamed it the Embassy, which is the name of his old Ring of Honor stable. And uh, so now the Embassy of Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony defeated Alex Zane, Blake Christian, and Tony Deppin. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And Willow Nightingale defeated Allison Kay. Yay! In the final match of the apparently Willow Nightingale got the big like Steve Austin pop of the pre-show. So good Hell for her. Yeah. Uh, then here's the show that I actually did watch, and Jenny, you'll have to tell me when you came in. Um, yeah. Uh, so it opened with Claudio Castagnoli challenging Jonathan Gresham for the ROH world title. And this is where I first noticed Prince Nana at ringside. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Why is Prince Nana at ringside? <laughs> um, but they did explain it on commentary eventually. And Claudio Castagnoli won the ring of honor world championship from Prince Nana. Nice. Very exciting. Um, there is some news associated with this. Uh, I can tell you that Jonathan Gresham is probably not going to be around. Oh, no. This. Yeah. Yeah, Megan. Uh, this from F4WOnline.com. Jonathan Gresham has requested to be released from All Elite Wrestling slash Ring of Honor. As was first reported by Fightful, Gresham requested to be released from his ROH AEW contract on Saturday. The request was made prior to ROH's Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. Uh, Gresham lost the ROH World Championship to Claudio Castagnoli. Fightful wrote that they were told there was a lack of communication between the company and Gresham leading up to the weekend, and Gresham was said to have felt disrespected by this. Among other things, we learned that the lack of time for the world title match was a tipping point as well. Fightful noted that Gresham finally met with Tony Khan the day of Death Before Dishonor and was said to have communicated the frustration that led to him cussing out Khan. Whoa. Uh, yes, uh, Gresham was ROH world champion when the promotion was purchased by Khan this March and he signed a contract with them in April. 
Fightful wrote that they were told from Gresham's side of things that he's done with wrestling for the foreseeable future after this month. Um, he uh, he also deactivated his Twitter account on Sunday morning. So, wow. I just, I mean, I don't know Tony Khan super well. I mean, I'm never <laughs> do you met, know like, Tony Khan? <laughs> I don't know that we like know enough about. What I'm trying to say is, I don't think we know enough about Tony Khan to really know him well. But like, I don't see him as being like an aggressive yelling cussing person so i feel like that probably came from the other side of the uh conversation in quotes well the reporting is that gresham cussed out con not the other way around right but like normally when it gets to that like both sides are getting heated but in this instance i would kind of believe that the one side did not get heated <laughs> the the short span of time that this all happened in and the fact that he didn't just quit the company, he quit wrestling and then deactivated social media accounts makes me feel like there might be something bigger going on in his world that perhaps was a stressor. And, and so he runs, this is the result. <laughs> there is, there might be something to that. He runs his own indie company called Terminus and they've had like a handful of shows and they were scheduled to have a show. Or maybe they just had a show, I forget. Anyway, I think they have one coming up. And he deactivated the social media accounts for that promotion, too. Wow. Um, so That's alarming, in a, in a way. I yeah. hope he's okay, and that there are people around him who can also make sure he's okay. Yeah, he's booked, for, he's booked for Sunday. He's booked for that Ric Flair's last show thing. He's on the card for that. Um... So I guess we'll see if he shows up. Oh, like, so they haven't, that promotion has not changed anything about that as not of that yet. But, yeah. uh, but if he's in a four-way match, so he would kind of just lift right out of it. So mm. if, you know, so it would, doesn't matter that much. Um, so yeah, so that's the Jonathan Gresham news. Um, as for the Prince Nana thing, this is another story. Um, Tully Blanchard is believed to be gone from AEW. Dave Meltzer reported that Blanchard is believed to be gone from the promotion. This follows a report on Fightful Select from Sunday saying that talent and staff that had asked were told that Blanchard was gone and isn't figured into plans going forward. Uh, during Death Before Dishonor's media scrum, Tony Khan said that Blanchard is doing well personally and wished him the best, saying we could see him in AEW or ROH again in the future. So it sounds like that's an amicable split then? Maybe. I know that he he does like he does like a prison ministry thing mm, uh, okay. like working with inmates. And it was the, the, there were some talk that this date in particular conflicted with some of his responsibilities with that. Um, but I don't know. seems like, I mean, I think the seems like you don't write somebody out for that. Yeah. You know? I was going to say, I think the conversation is just like, Oh, he had a conflict with this date. We'll see him back again. Like, yeah, that it seems like it's not that. Okay. Well, either way, it sounds a lot um, less <laughs> less like a, a arguing or screaming match where people get cussed out. So I guess that's good. Like uh, the door remains open. Um, it was yeah, just, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I well, always like I always like Telly, so I, I I'm kind of I hope I hope we see him again. I thought for one of the older like legacy talents he what he did was good and he was always a really good talker even though you know he was not able to 
necessarily be physical. I thought he was a good manager. I kind of liked him with FTR and was a little sad uh, at the really quick firing of him from their team. Yeah. Although, like, in retrospect, that did, like, precede the miracle run that FDR has been on uh, this, like, past few months. So, maybe it was for the best. Yeah, I would never want to take that away from them. I just thought they had such a, like, cute little manager, evil, heel team relation. And then it, it just ended. The breakup was so quick and felt, like, out of nowhere. I was I was surprised when it happened. Well, the pinnacle kind of, like, very slowly deflated, you know? <laughs> like Yes. <laughs> well, their leader... You know, yeah. he's currently doing stuff. Uh, next up, we had Dalton Castle and the boys. Or the boys. The Tate twins, Brandon and Brent, defeated the righteous of Vincent, Bateman, and Dutch uh, with the Vita Von Starr uh, for the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championships. And uh, I think you could see with Claudio winning and Castle and the boys winning, it seems like Tony really wanted to shift those titles onto like people he's planning on using. Uh, he's planning on using going forward, you know, and, and kind of get them, get them and, and get them onto bigger stars. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of why when you said you're going to spoil it, I was like, mm, I feel like from just the names alone, I call me out of touch, but have wrestling names gotten more out of control over the years? Because some of the were like names you're saying, are so wacky and weird to me. I cannot picture the people that would go with them. Like uh, maybe... Vita Von Star. Yeah, and like a, yeah. the hamburger cheeseburger guy or whatever. <laughs> like, what, what is happening? Cheeseburger guy? <laughs> yeah. Didn't you say something about a burger earlier? I, am I making that up? Cheeseburger. Like, okay, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Cheeseburger's I mean... been around like since like the Sinclair era, though. He's been around for like a decade in Ring of Honor. Okay, I, I don't know. I'm just... I bet, used to my I, bet you've seen, is, see, I bet you've seen Cheeseburger Live. Is he the cheeseburger or the cheeseburglar? For copyright purposes. Probably not. <laughs> the cheeseburglar. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, no one thought my joke was funny. Next up, for the ROH Pure Championship, Uh-oh. Wheeler Utah retains over Daniel Garcia. He beat him with that uh, that same move he beat Chuck with uh, that week on Dynamite, the seatbelt, that like cradle thing. Nice. This was a good match. They went. They had like it was very technical. I mean, yes, I feel like Daniel Garcia is really good. I don't know that I'd want him to beat Wheeler Yuta, but based on Dynamite this week, I, he clearly is very talented. It's just he's a sports entertainer these days, you know. He wants to be known as the world's most technical sports entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daniel. Uh, yeah, so then Roosh, who had Jose with him, uh, defeated Dragon Lee, his brother. And oh. uh, they had a very good match. I think you, in particular, Megan, would really enjoy Dragon Lee. Is he a skinny little high flyer? Uh, he's not that skinny, but he's, he's, very, he's very agile. Oh, um, yeah, I mean love my high flowers yeah and uh this was the match that uh made me a roosh guy i'm a roosh guy now Megan, and even more so after that moxley match on dynamite <laughs> it sounds so weird to be a roosh guy but uh, okay i get yeah. it no this match was great and uh roosh is awesome is roosh um like what's his company is he just guesting this whole time or is he going to be in aew i don't know I mean, I think he's going to be an AW, but I don't know if he's like 
I don't know if his like primary contract is with Triple A or what or what the deal is. Okay, I wasn't clear when he first showed up what his role would be, and it seems like he's around a lot. So, wasn't sure yeah. if he's joining the squad. You know, I don't know. Uh, then we had Mercedes Martinez retained her Ring of Honor Women's World Title over Serena Deeb by submission. Um, I was very surprised by this. I thought that they would take the opportunity to put the title on Deeb. Yeah, that is the first thing you've said that's surprising to me. And also, I feel a little insulting for Serena since they're switching all the titles over to the people they're going to use more. When's she going to get her gold? I don't know. Ugh. She just wants to know where the gold at. Yeah, I'm just trying to do my part, okay? <laughs> I'm just trying to help out. Um, <laughs> then in the semifinal of the evening, we had a Samoa Joe, the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, retain his title over Jay Lethal. Um, this was solid, and I, like up to this point in the show, it was like the, definitely the match the crowd was the most into because I think they recognized, I think they took Joe as to be to be like a really big star. Yeah. Well, good. And I like that. It's the it's the city where he, I think he won his first NXT title in in uh, in the same city. Oh, oh, good. Maybe the same venue, even. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Joe was like, I forget, where, where, where where was this? What was the name of the town? Um, Lowell. Yeah. Joe said. Joe said after the match, he said, "I don't lose in Lowell." <laughs> <laughs> Get it, Joe. Like, way to brand that one. Come on. Yeah. And then the main event, which went uh, 43 minutes and 25 seconds, best out of two, three falls, uh, best two out of three falls, I should say. FTR defeated the Briscoes, two falls to one. This rocked. <laughs> <laughs> Man, these guys, this is a good match, Megan. I think you'd enjoy this one too. This is definitely the one, like, if I was only going to watch one match on the show, it would be this one. Because I think the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view where FTR went up against the Briscoes, that that was one I wanted to see. I didn't watch that pay-per-view either. But, yeah, like, this, yeah. just the concept of this sounds great. I don't, you know. No, it was totally awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of the... Uh... That was the show, pretty cool. much. And no real indication of what's coming next. Jenny, did you have any Ring of Honor thoughts? I did. Um, I was very quiet. Now, you could see that the crowd was into the show because they were, like, standing and, like, pumping their arms. Mm-hmm. But it was just poorly mic'd. So I did have a hard time kind of, like, I don't know getting into it a little bit sometimes because like you couldn't really like hear some of the reaction it kind of reminded me a little bit of that like pandemic lockdown type crowd level noise situation so i think they definitely could have mic'd it better they the should have sent in austin pretty... gun yes <laughs> the matches i saw were pretty good and i appreciated that it only lasted until like 10 50 <laughs> yeah, it did. It, it ended. It ended like ten fifty, and then uh, the other thing after that was uh, uh, X Harwood and Cash Wheeler um, doing a curse filled promo when they thought they were off the air. So <laughs> yeah, it's a pay per view, you know. The people that paid money to be here, I feel like that means that you potentially are going to get curses. You know, 
we're all adults mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we are. I'm not now, an adult. Um, I know yeah. Ring of Honor isn't. It's not clear what's happening with them at this point. But did the show have any? I don't even know. Like story, not pushing stories forward, but. Did they include anything to indicate what may or may not happen in the future, or was this very much like in a in a bottle, as far as that's concerned? As far as like, and it has been five days. Uh, I don't think there were any angles on this show. Okay. So yeah, so no no indication of of what's to come next. Okay, I hope TK can figure it out. You know, something to do with that I, ROH. I do too. All right, uh, let's talk about let's talk about news, I guess. Other news. Uh, we have a CM Punk injury update. I'm worried. At the, uh, at the. Sorry. I said I'm worried. Oh. Uh, while taking part in an AEW panel at San Diego Comic-Con on Saturday night, CM Punk gave an update on his recovery from injury. Punk stated that he doesn't have a timeline for when he'll be able to turn the ring. Punk said his foot injury is healing, but it's not healed yet. Punk said he shattered his foot when he injured it, when he injured it in June and he's relearning to walk again. Oh my God. Yes. Um, AEW president and CEO Tony Khan also addressed Punk's status during a media scrum after Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor on Saturday. Uh, Punk is doing well and is on track in his recovery. When asked if Punk would be back for All Out this September, Khan said he can't rule it out, but also can't promise it because he doesn't want to say anything like that about someone's recovery from a serious injury. Khan said Punk is battling hard to get back as soon as he can. Wow. It sounds like his foot exploded. I, I don't like that it just shattered. I don't know what that fully means from a medical land, standpoint. I guess that's what happens when you land on a guardrail. Oh. I still think that's what it was. I do, too. I just... Can't fool me, CM Punk. Ugh, I worry that... That... Our, our human bodies are so fragile in ways we don't understand. I don't want to step wrong and just have my foot shattered. Yeah. Uh, Kanosuke Takeshita is heading back to Japan. Mm. Uh, Takeshita wrote on Twitter after his appearance on AEW Dark uh, this week that he is heading back to Japan ahead of DDT's Wrestle Peter Pan event on August 20th. What Happy now? birthday, Megan. <laughs> I have to go to back to Japan at the big DDT show on August 20. I don't have much time left in the U.S. I hope to come back here soon, and I hope you all feel the same way. So, I don't know if there's something lost in translation, but my understanding is he's actually just going back for that big show. <sighs> Original intention, so I don't know if that's changed, but I think I think he's just going for this big show. Because it's like a pay-per-view type thing, you know? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he'll be back. He didn't even say goodbye to us on Dynamite. So sad. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and he never got a big win over anybody. All right. 
Uh, AEW and ROH head Tony Khan hasn't been shy about commenting on the recent big changes in WWE leadership, taking a shot Wednesday at observers who think there will be major change now that Vince McMahon is no longer head of creative. Talking to Busted Open Radio Wednesday, Khan said, I think the changes are going to be really positive for the fans overall. I am a little amused that changes in the competition, people think it's going to magically change the landscape. After saying he has seen a lot of narratives forming on Twitter, Khan then addressed the idea that wrestlers would go back to WWE after their deals are done because McMahon is no longer there. I've got people signed here for five years, and people think that just because the CEO, chairman, those head of creative, that those people change in the competition, people I have five-year contracts with are going to magically switch teams. Good luck with that. He gave two examples, saying Adam Cole is signed through 2027, and that Malachi Black has nearly five years left on his deal. Uh, Just because these guys had some success under a previous administration somewhere else, they're not magically going to be going anywhere. Those are two people I really like, just as examples of people who have worked under that previous administration. I'm very amused by that. That's a narrative I see so-called wrestling writers pushing every day. It's pretty amusing, he said. Tony Claw is so bitter sometimes. Lay off the claws, Tone. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, another Vince-related story. Wait, are you going to just kind of give background on what happened? Because we haven't talked about that on the podcast. So yes. I think we should do that. Yes, after this, yes. Uh, Comic-Con-related story here. Uh, Speaking in an interview with the Absolute Geek podcast at Comic-Con, CM Punk gave his take on the recent shakeup atop the WWE and how it will or will not impact the company. You think, because... Now, granted, this was on Saturday, so, so it was after Vince tweeted out that he was retiring... Before the big story on came off with all the additional um, details about his peccadillos and uh, <laughs> and, and and whatnot, anyway, um, <laughs> you think because McMahon tweeted that I'm retired that he's not going to be hands on? Punk asked in response to a question on his thoughts on McMahon retiring as WWE CEO. I don't think the structure there. I don't think the culture there changes at all. I think it is what it is. Punk went on to draw parallels between his walking out of the company in 2014 and Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out before an episode of Raw in May and noted that his and Banks's and Naomi's situations were completed much differently by the company than Brock Lesnar walking out before last week's SmackDown, which, yes, that's something else that happened on Friday. So when Vince tweeted that he was retiring... Brock Lesnar left the building that he was at for SmackDown and had to be, like, talked down to return. We'll get to it. Okay. He actually returned? I didn't even realize that. Yeah. People are going to be real fucking mad about this, but fuck it. Mercedes and Trinity leave, and they announce on SmackDown that, gosh darn, we're so disappointed in them. They really let our fans down. Brock splits, comes back, obviously. I think he worked the show. But where was Michael Cole saying, man, Brock Lesnar really let these fans down? I walked out, they went on TV and called me a quitter. What's changed? What's the difference? Punk went on to commend Banks and Naomi for handling their business the way they did. You're going to attack these two fucking poor women who just kind of had enough and then walked? They've got bigger balls than everybody there, Punk said. So what's changed? There's nothing much that's changed. 
people who lick the boots and have the audacity to go on live television and say that about those two women, they're fucking cowards and bootlickers. That shit's ridiculous. Why didn't they do it for Brock? They did it for me. I don't know. It's none of my business, said Punk. (laughs) (laughs) Way to close that thought out, Punk. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah. um, Vince McMahon is gone from WWE. Uh, He pretty much can't come back. Uh, Jenny, as as someone who works in the world of finance, uh, do you want to talk to us about your analysis of the situation? Well, he's still on the board of directors, right? Well... Or did that get announced? I think he's not. Okay. Yeah. He stepped down as chairman? Yeah. Okay. Oh, he stepped down Uh, they didn't have to boot him? Well, he stepped down so they wouldn't have to boot him. I think he's one of the... I didn't know how fast that happened if he... He doesn't like when people sneeze. I don't know if he stepped down. So, I haven't read... (laughs) I haven't read as many details as you on this, Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I've read, I I think the Vince and the company are in some uh, some trouble here. They released an 8K and in which it sounded like their financial statements may have been re- misrepresent misrepresented based on expenses that they were unaware of. Is that? That was what the AK had said, right? Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's a big issue because if you misrepresent your uh, financial statement, that's a that's a pretty big deal. The SEC will definitely come and get you. Um, yeah, they said that they are going to they're going to have to revise their financial statements, and they gave themselves like a deadline. Like we'll get it done. We're gonna we're targeting like August fourteenth, but it might be later. That's so to soon. account for this fourteen point six million dollars that they didn't report. That's, I mean, that's a huge to to have to reissue your financial statements is a big deal. Um, that's a big deal. In like two weeks. Mm-hmm. That'll be a lot. I I do not uh, envy their accountants. Let me see. So specifically, it's on Monday. This is from the Variety story on this. WWE disclosed in an SEC filing that it has made a preliminary determination that certain payments that Vince McMahon agreed to make during the from 2006 through 2022, including amounts paid and payable in the future, not recorded in the WWE consolidated financial statements, should have been recorded as expenses in the quarters in which those agreements were made. Um, so payable in the future, does that... Do you think that means just like... Yeah, that's just an accounts payable. So when you have incurred an expense, so when you agree to make a payment, okay. um, proper accounting based on like accrual accounting, um, not cash accounting, which only like like a very small little bitty mom and pop shop would still do cash accounting, not an SEC publicly traded company. Um you would need to record your entry would be to record expense. And so you would debit expense and you would (laughs) credit your accounts payable until the cash is actually distributed. And then you credit cash and debit accounts payable to relieve your payable. So payable in the future is just like a a payable account. Okay. Uh, Those payments were, or will be paid by McMahon personally, according to the company. Well, WWE said, 
While those were not material in any individual period, the aggregate amount of 14.6 million would be material if recorded entirely in the second quarter of 2022. As such, the company currently anticipates that it will revise its previously issued financial statements to record McMahon's payments in the applicable periods for 2019, 2020, and 2021, as well as the first quarter of 2022 when it issues its financial statements for the second quarter. So what I find interesting is that they're saying they're personally payable by Vince. Mm-hmm. I, is Vince's personal bank account somehow attached to this public company? <laughs> you hope I don't not. think so. Something I've heard, something I've heard, and I mentioned this to you, and you said you weren't familiar with this because you're not a lawyer, um, is that if you do something, if you make if you make a payment, if he, if he were to make a payment, even if it's from his personal accounts, and it would be to the material benefit of the company, which covering up sex scandals would be, then that is that should be uh, report that should be stated. <laughs> what a fun line item that is, covering up sex <laughs> scandals. Yeah. Anyway, so the upshot of all this is Vince is out of the company. He's probably not coming back. Didn't um, Jenny say Stephanie he could go McMahon, to jail? Oh no! Oh no! Megan, your internet's terrible. Oh no! Is it me? Is it me? No, nope, you're back now. I think it was you. I don't know if it was you or us, but let me check. Your robotty. Oh anyway, no! What, what did you ask? I I asked. Didn't Jenny say that he could go to jail? Like, is it is it actually possible that Vince McMahon will go to jail? If you make bribes and then misrepresent your financial statements, you are you can go to jail. Yes. But he's rich, so can he pay his way out of going to jail, I guess? I mean, I think that all depends on lawyers. I mean, that's but it's like in this case it's like like you always say, the government does not fuck around with this stuff. Like it's no, not. It's not. Everyone like, wants its fucking money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair. Okay. But the upshot of all this is that Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan are now the co-CEOs of World Wrestling Entertainment, and Triple H, in addition to having his duties as talent relations uh, reinstated, is now also the head of creative for WWE, uh, which. Vince McMahon ever in the history of the company. So that's pretty big. Yeah, that's huge. Do you think that CM Punk's right and it won't matter? That Vince will love conduct business from the outside? No, I don't. I think I think based on based on CM Punk's knowledge and what we all knew on Friday, I think that statement made more sense. Um, but you know, with everything that came out Monday, I doubt CM Punk would say exactly the same thing again if asked. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because I think I think that people just kind of thought like he was going to just like slip away and disappear into the ether <laughs> with the retirement announcement. Yeah. And just be like, and just like, oh, don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, but now. With that, 
federal investigation into the company going on and he did not retire. He in fact resigned. Uh, that's, you know, that's a little different. So uh, why did Brock freak out? I mean, I know they're friends, but like, yeah, Brock has, you know, Brock has a good, like he, he kind of has a deal where he, he only deals with Vince. That's like kind of, that's like how he works. Um, which, you know, nice work if you can get it. Uh, so the second now, Vince was gone, he not, was like, you know, that's not possible anymore. Cause Vince isn't there. But he just like left a show, like as if the show wasn't like, I, I guess it was like, it sounds so sudden that he was just like, Oh, Vince isn't here. Bye. It's like mid show. Uh, it was, it was, it was earlier in the day. Um, Oh, and okay. then I think the the Huh. Wow. I'm checking mine. My internet seems pretty good. Okay. Mm, is that ours? Uh I don't know. I mean, if I ran a speed test right now, it would it would get a bad result because we're streaming HD video. <laughs> Um, right, but isn't that the issue? Isn't that the whole point? What do you? What do you? Should we go off video? Do you think that would help? Oh, I guess we could. Yeah, I'm gonna turn okay. the camera off. See if that improves things. All right. Well, there we go. Oh, it's weird. It's like the old times. Oh, it's scary. No. All right. Um, but yes. Yeah, so that that kind of takes us to an article that. Uh, that went up on Voices of Wrestling this week that I sent to you guys. Did, did you guys get a chance to read that article? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, good. Okay, great. Um, the article was called, For AEW, the Vince McMahon Advantage is Gone. Um, it was written by Suit Williams, is the name of the of the columnist. Um, Megan, what did you, like, I guess just in general, what was, what, what was your takeaway from the article? Um, I think my takeaway was similar to Tony Khan's, but maybe not as angry and white claw fueled. Um, <laughs> I think that like, sure. One aspect of WWE is changing for the better, but if all things remain equal at AEW, I don't, it's not like AEW was like, Oh, we got to go there. Cause there it's the only option. It seemed like more options were opening up. And as long as AEW was in a trash place to work, I don't know other than money why people would suddenly be compelled to be like jumping ship for WWE and sure like some people can command probably WWE prices but not all of them and like where Tony goes wrong I think is in getting so defensive about how he's got people locked in (laughs) and instead of like focusing on I don't know like I make the workplace good I make the talent comfortable you know like if you are in good place to work, that will actually keep people with you a lot more than than just like giving them a lot of money and then treating them like shit. So to me, just because Vince McMahon's not there doesn't mean that WWE is suddenly going to be like the best place to work and they're going to do great storylines and, and talent's going to have all these like privileges they didn't have before. I think it's kind of wild to assume that such a shift would happen just because Vince is gone. Like, sure, parts will probably get better, but I don't know that it's going to get so good that suddenly everybody's going to jump ship or have that thought. So 
I don't know. That was my thought was like, this seems um, like a panic extreme reaction when probably not much will change, at least not in the short term. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to take some time. But I mean, Vince was writing every show and in charge (laughs) of every single storyline and basically directing everyone's character route. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would think that that should I mean probably not in the immediate but I would say probably within the next few months they should start being able to shift some of that I would I would expect it to start um next Monday because this Saturday is SummerSlam which is one of their big tent bowls of the year and then kind of and then you kind of re- start fresh directions on the next TV so I mean I think I think we'll see if the product gets any better, I mean, you watched this last week and it was the same old stuff, but yeah, but I mean, you have to imagine that that show was probably written over the weekend right. before, before the the worst of it came out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I could see where there's new people, new energy, like maybe some of the character stuff would get better. Now, how you treat your employees, that's also from the top down. I think your culture is from the top down. So if you remove your top, that's toxic. Mm-hmm. Then hopefully if the people that are now in charge recognize that that was a toxic environment and put in changes, it should trickle down to a better culture. But one, they have to recognize that it was toxic. And two, they have to put in and like promote these changes and and act on these changes which we don't know if they'll actually do yeah right i think for me the um the key thing here is that for a lot of the current roster triple h was their nxt dad (laughs) and they didn't have a relationship with like that that with vince um because I don't think Vince had a relationship like like that with anybody who's come along since the, you know, like the Cena, Orton, Batista, Lesnar generation. Um, because I think he's just become more and more insulated and surrounding himself with yes men and all that stuff. Um, but now, like, take take a talent like Ricochet, who had a really, really successful NXT run under the guidance of Triple H. And had a, has had an absolutely disastrous run on the main roster, but now, like his guy is back. He's you know he's back. He's you know he's going to be back being overseen by the guy who, who you know gave him a chance to have such an amazing run in NXT. So, if things shift for those kinds of people, there's not going to be that incentive to abandon ship when their contracts come due. True. Um, but I guess, like, is that so terrible at this point? I mean, AEW has more people than they can do things with. WWE, I believe, has a huge roster as well full of people that they don't all utilize. And I appreciate Triple H, NXT dad. I really do because I loved NXT under his care. But then he's not just like taking the helm of NXT with Vince gone. He's now he's got this team of writers and I don't know. It's like, I do hope things get better for sure. I just, I don't know that the having the options widen is a bad thing in the way that article seemed to make it like, Oh no, AEW is going to crumble. It's like, 
AEW stands well. I don't think that was the tone of the article at all. Okay, I, it seemed like the the writer was like, now AEW doesn't have a reason to to be able to take things from Vince, like, or like it's it almost seemed like now people won't want to go to AEW. But I don't I don't know it, that that's necessarily true. It did imply that they wouldn't have like this like easy advantage of the people that had been so poorly treated at WWE wouldn't yeah. have like an easy decision. It did say that in the article. And I think that's 100% true. Yeah. Yeah, which I mean, again, like as long as they're not a shit place to work, I I still I still think people will be attracted to both AEW and WWE. Maybe it'll be more of like a, a consideration now, but I just don't think that like if AEW has the business set up correctly and they're treating their employees well and it's a good place to work and they're giving talent like the creative um, outlets that they want. I still think people are going to show up there as well. You know, like to me, it, it just doesn't feel like it's going to be this sudden like tidal wave of people jumping ship from AEW and going to back to WWE or even the other way around. You know, like I just think well, it's like. Yeah, they but they also options. have to be able to offer comparable money. That's true. And I don't know. Obviously, WWE has so much money. Although with this legal stuff, how does that affect like their budgeting and their ability to spend money? Because with if they were having money legalities, don't isn't there some sort of like I don't want to say they freeze accounts, but are they able to just keep spending on whatever if they're kind of in the middle of this uh, legal thing? I mean, they I'm sure like I'm sure they're liable to get hit for something, but it's not going to be like. It's not going to be like that much, right? Wouldn't think. Yeah. They got that Saudi money. I mean, they're they've got they've got the Saudi money. They got the Peacock money. They've got the they've got the USA and Fox money. It's not going to be. It's not going to like touch. It's not going to be a drop in the bucket compared to any of that stuff. No, but Andy uh, and Jenny also like. I'm just asking Andy because he has more um, history with WWE. Do you think with Vince gone that there's going to be the same sort of vindictive? Um, we'll spend as much money as we can to take an AEW top star away? Or do you think they're going to be a little more responsible and reasonable as far as what they're offering people? You know, Oh, Megan, I am so excited you asked me that question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because I'll have you know that it was announced yesterday that on Sunday, let me get the date right, Sunday, September 4th, the same day, as AEW All Out, oh god, will be an NXT Takeover event live on Peacock. Okay, so the level of vindictiveness <laughs> remains. Okay, round two, round two. He wants he's Triple H has not forgotten what happened. Oh god, okay, never forget. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so does that does that mean so they're they're booking head to head shows out of bitterness? Do you think they will be throwing money at people the way Vince was doing to like people like? And to be clear, people like FTR and like a Cody and like, I I don't think necessarily everybody on AEW's roster is going to get a sweet deal from WWE to jump ship. But like, do you think they're still going to spend irresponsible amounts of money to to sign people to take away from AEW? Wasn't Nick Khan kind of running that show before? And he's still running that show, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't think that would change. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's. I think there is certainly talent there that when they are offered, when their deals are up, they are going to get enormous money offers. I think, I think Wardlow is going to get a big offer. I think MJF is going to get a big offer. 
I think Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are going to get big offers. Mm-hmm. I think I think pretty much all the top people there and the most like the most interesting prospects are going to get a lot of stupid money thrown at them by WWE. Okay. Well, so as ever, the key to this whole thing remains they need they just need to, to get the right TV deal next time. Well, and then they need to get their ratings up. For They're, Rampage. Well, for Rampage, yeah. Poor Rampage. Let's talk about Rampage ratings. Oh, thanks. I'm crossing my fingers that they're just like maintaining the above 400,000 viewership level at this point. Friday night's Fighter Fest week two episode of AEW Rampage averaged 428,000 viewers. Yes. Uh, down 1.6% from the previous week. Damn it. Uh, however, in the 18 to 49 demo, Rampage finished sixth on cable with a 0.17 rating, which is up 21.4% from the previous week and Rampage's highest rating in the demo since April 22nd. Wow. Holy crap. What happened? Um, I don't know. Uh, but maybe people were real into Seeing Christopher Daniels make his Rampage debut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daniels. He retired. <clears throat> no, his, his team with um, Frank Kazarian, he, he self-imposed, will never team with him again. He never, he didn't actually retire. He works in the back office. He's always around. He is always around. Uh, a couple more news items before we get to TV recaps. Um, I don't normally do, like you know, venue announcement dates, like stories anymore. Cause there's just so many of them now. And they, cause you know, it's a weekly show. Uh, but I'm going to make an exception because AEW is finally heading to Canada. Whoa. Company announced during Wednesday's dynamite that they will be making their debut in Toronto Woo. on Wednesday, October 12th for AEW dynamite, followed by AEW rampage on Thursday, October 13th. Uh, the show will be held at the Coca-Cola Coliseum, which has an estimated capacity of around 10,000. I hope Jay's able to go. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's in the cards for for young Jay. Hmm. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, but anyway, uh, yes. So big, you know, like big Canadian debut for Dynamite. I'm surprised that they are running a 10,000 seat building. I've I really think they could have probably sold out the Scotiabank uh, arena, which is the, the, uh, the Raptors facility for their mm-hmm. debut, but maybe, maybe there was no like good date for, for that to be available. Or maybe it's one of those buildings that WWE's like got an exclusive on or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, so th- these are kind of like just what's upcoming um, next week in Columbus uh, for, uh, Dynamite, then in Grand Rapids for a live rampage and a Battle of the Belts taping. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week after that, Minneapolis, Charleston, West Virginia, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, Hoffman Estates, Hoffman Estates, Hoffman Estates for the All Out weekend in Illinois, uh, Buffalo, Albany, uh, Queens, Philly, and then Toronto, Toronto. So uh, a lot of that's the kind of the upcoming schedule, but very exciting for uh, Canadian uh, listeners uh, who might, uh, you know, 
make their way over to the Coca-Cola Coliseum for one of those nights. As I was going to say, somebody opened a Coca-Cola? No. It's lemon this time. Nice. Lemon Coca-Cola. And uh, finally, last news item. Uh, Jake Hager will be stepping back in the cage for Bellator in the coming months. During a virtual signing with Captain's Corner earlier this week, Hager was asked how many more MMA fights he wants to have and responded that he has a fight scheduled for October and is hoping to fight again in December as well. Wow. Hager said, I feel like I'm still coming into my prime, even though I just turned 40 years old. I have a fight in October. I'd like to fight again in December. So I think I still have plenty of MMA fights left. So. Wow. Good luck to Jake. It's been a while since he's um, been in the cage. I think, I think he's only had one fight since the start of AEW. So. Is he, is this like, um, like a, is he old for MMA at this point? Yeah. Okay. But but he's a heavyweight and uh older heavyweights tend to do better because that division is less reliant on speed and speed athletically speed goes before strength. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a beast for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Like Randy Couture for instance. I don't know if you know that name, Megan, but uh he uh he he won the UFC heavyweight title at 42, I think. And then oh. was like competitive well into his forties because, you know, he's, he was just in a, he was in a division where age, you know, the more he, like age doesn't affect you as much. Okay. Okay. I, you know, Hager, he looks definitely like he's got the, the fight ability and the physique. It's just, I thought MMA people tended to retire earlier than 40, but I get, it makes sense if he's heavyweight, you know, and he can still put on the the muscles and do the punching. <laughs> sure, good luck, Jake. I guess I I don't know. Uh, and then last thing, dynamite ratings. Let's just go ahead and get them out of the way. Uh, Wednesday's fight for the fallen episode of AEW Dynamite averaged nine hundred and seventy six thousand viewers on TBS, up seven percent from last week. Largest audience for the show since July sixth. In the eighteen to forty nine demo. Dynamite finished second on the cable charts with a 0.33 rating, which is up 3% from last week, but marked the first time in six weeks that Dynamite wasn't in the top spot. A Major League Baseball game between the New York Yankees and New York Mets finished first with a 0.5 rating, averaging more than 2.1 million viewers. Of course. But uh, still, a, still a good rating for Dynamite. So, well done, fellas. Guys, let's talk Rampage. Uh, Megan, I assume you watched the All Elite Wrestling Rampage show. I did. Okay. Did you watch it that night? Uh, no. I think I watched it the next day. Okay. All right. But also, I feel like I don't super remember what happened. So I'm going to tell you what happened. Excellent. We open up with... Hangman Page and John Silver versus The Butcher and The Blade. And the very definition of just a match, I thought, as uh, <laughs> Page beats uh, Butch with a lariat. Yeah, I, I don't know what I expected, but this was it was like not bad, but not standout. Um, they yeah. did it. 
They did a Claudio Castagnoli cuts a promo, says he's going to ring the Ring of Honor world title. Hope that works out for him. <laughs> uh, we had Lee Moriarty versus Dante Martin, and I have to say, Lee Moriarty pulls an upset here. He does. He does. But he cheated. He used the ropes for a pin. It's true. And now he's a bad boy. Yeah. So he gets called out by Matt Seidel for being a cheater. And so that that's a match they set up for this week's Rampage, which airs tomorrow night uh, as we're recording this. And uh, as Lee is leaving, he runs into Stokely Hathaway on the ramp and Stokely tries to give him a business card and Lee's not having it. So, but I think, I think long-term they're destined to be together. He gave him a little like smirk, like, I don't want that right now, but, <laughs> but I probably, you know, I don't know if he's thinking it, but my impression is he won't be able to manage himself well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like this match though. These two had good chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I mean, high flyers, very athletic. It's good. Good match. We had Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Jamie Hayter take on the team of Sky Blue uh, and Ashley Dambois. <laughs> I think I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know. Um, I don't know that the announce team knew how to pronounce it, so you're fine. Basically a smash them, and finally, Britt and Jamie get their first win as a tag team. Congrats, ladies. Britt with the lockjaw. Uh, we get a coming soon video package for Ari Divari. So, yeah. Well, are you are you excited for this man? I know the name, but I cannot think of ever seeing I'm, him before. I'm excited for it. Kind of, it kind of seems like they just gave Leo Rush's gimmick to another guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm excited for what I have heard about this. Uh, about this like little stable that he's going to have the trust busters. Um, Cause it can be him and two other guys. And I forget who the other guys were. Um, but the storyline is that Ari Davari just like, I don't know, hit the age where his trust fund kicked in. So now he's just like, <laughs> now he's like just spending all this, all of his money on, uh, you know, I guess having like a badass pro wrestling stable. Okay, but and like I know technically he is a wrestler, but is he being positioned as someone who probably won't wrestle but will manage? Or well, he wrestled in the pre-show on the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, but I did not see him in action, so I I, I couldn't tell you how he looked. Okay, I have seen him in the past, but uh, not lately. Okay, love that story for him though. Very fun. Yeah. Next up, we had a rap battle <laughs> as Austin Gunn. Squared off with Max Caster with uh, <laughs> legendary uh, head bussa rapper, a uh, little scrappy, um, you know, I guess uh, overseeing things, moderating, sure. yeah, stepping over, stepping on a hunt, all of uh, the guy's lines as they were saying them. Oh, <laughs> he was hyping oh. him up. <laughs> he, was, he was really bad. Um, so they structured this like... Austin had a pretty decent first attempt and then Max came back and it was good. And then Austin uh, 
came back with like a little bit of a weaker second one and then max was still good on the second one so it seemed like like austin had like one round in him basically and max was able to keep going and so max was declared the winner and uh the gun club beat up the acclaimed afterwards yeah austin kind of um not froze, but he and just like got stuck in a loop, kind of. Yes. That takes us to our main event, Jay Lethal versus Christopher Daniels. Uh decent match. Jay Lethal wins. Uh this was, I guess, just to have Jay Lethal go over a legacy Ring of Honor guy before his big pay-per-view match with a legacy Ring of Honor guy. Boo. <laughs> and that was Rampage. It was an okay show. It wasn't. It, it was definitely not like I, this is not one I would go out of my way to see, but it was. It was a fine enough way to spend an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes us to Dynamite, Megan. Which, yeah, I will say, I thought was one of the best Dynamites ever. Wow. You know, I think it was very strong. Honestly, uh, I. Th- I think it had not only did it have good wrestling, I thought it had like pretty immaculate booking and the things that paid off and and you know, and then you can see where other directions are going. Like we had a lot I, I just feel like I'll, I'll point some stuff out along the way, but um I was really impressed with uh, the show. Yeah, I mean, I in- enjoyed it and despite baseball it still did really well, so I'm happy for that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, this uh, this episode, Fight for the Fallen, took place in, oh god, Worcestershire, Massachusetts? Worcester. 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 I'm, I'm sounding yeah, it out. Yeah, one of those in Ohio, too. Yes, but it's spelled like you would expect it to be spelled. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, I don't know how close this is to Boston, but I feel like it must be close because the amount of video game company references and t-shirts was higher than normal. Uh, Which is saying something, because it's already pretty high on a typical uh, dynamite. Yeah, it was noticeable enough. Like, I I definitely saw some people wearing, like, Rockstar Game shirts. There was a a sign that kept popping up that says Valve Fears Trilogies. So I was like, okay, the video game crowd is out tonight. It is 52 minutes from Boston. Oh, yeah, people can drive that, for sure. Okay. A lot of video game peeps is what I'm assuming uh, were in the crowd, but... And, and Joe Gagney. Oh, he was there? Yeah, Joey Gags was there. Yeah. Go for him. Yeah. Front row? I don't think so. His pictures, his pictures that he posted online suggested otherwise. AEW couldn't hook up Joe Gagney? <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, despite that disappointment, we start the show out very strong in a way I did not expect. Um... It was a shockingly hard-hitting match for a Dynamite opener between Roosh and John Moxley. Roosh is, uh, he's new to the game here in AEW, but he's already challenging for that AEW World Championship, uh, in parentheses, interim title. And he really, really went for it. Like, uh, Roosh was very aggressive and disrespectful to John Moxley, and, and boy, did the crowd hate him for doing that. Like, they were... Very angered him, booing him, cheering Moxley. Um, and other than a couple moments where Roosh uh, rubbed Moxley's blood on himself, because of course Moxley bled, uh, I really enjoyed the match. It was 
surprising to see someone come at Moxley so hard, but I think it worked out really well. And it was a fast paced slugfest. So I like that, you know, like pace, pace was good. Very exciting. Um, but yeah, it ended with Moxley retaining his interim title by literally choking Roosh out. He couldn't tap out. He just passed out. Roosh, not only did he not tap out, he also kicked out of the Death Rider. Yeah. He's a strong boy. That's, uh, you know, that's that's given him a lot, really. I, honestly, I was a little surprised at how much he got just because I, I don't, you know, I don't really know his position again as like a guest here uh but it seems like they're giving him a lot i really like him i'm super into him yeah his bull mask is pretty fun as an entrance um he seems like a real asshole which is always fun but yeah he uh he he really hit hard and really aggressively bit john moxley's head like 30 seconds in yeah it ruled and then he then he licked his hand after he rubbed moxley's blood I looked away and just audibly was like, no, like, like I did not like that. It's so gross. Yeah, it's pretty great. Oh, so you're a Roosh man now. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Congratulations. It's so gross. Thank you. I'm happy with it. Yeah. Well, he didn't win, but what a, what a performance he put on. It was very intense and, you know. I don't think he has anything to be ashamed about. Um, William Regal was here for the commentary as he is with the, the BCC members. And I just have to say quote of the night. He's so excited that Brian Danielson will be back on during this show. He said, I'm happier than a dog with two willies. And I'm like, <laughs> William Regal, what the hell? <laughs> and then I thought of Florence Pugh's mom and how she told Zach Braff and um, what's his fa- Donald Faison that they should talk less about their willies on their podcast. Yeah, I never heard the uh, dog with two, happier than dog with two willies. I think there is like a, a Southern American version of that, which is uh, happier than a puppy with two Peters that I've heard. But uh... <laughs> I've never heard either of these. <laughs> I've never heard. Yeah, same, Jenny. I'm with you. <laughs> Wowzers. So yeah. Regal hyped. I mean, hyped his boy one. It's all great. Um, until after the match. And that's when the JAS walks out. It is uh, Jericho. Um, it's, a, it's a subset. It's Jericho, Cool Hand, Angela Parker, Angelo Parker, sorry, uh, Anna J, and Ty Conti, and then Sammy. And Jericho's like got his nose all patched up because apparently uh obviously kayfabe um during his match with eddie he broke his nose and he has like the black eye i don't think it was kayfabe i think he actually has a broken nose are you but he's gonna wrestle in two weeks and it'll have been three weeks then from the time his nose broke oh god nose breaks heal that quickly nose breaks heal pretty quickly like people play people play NBA basketball with broken noses. Just wear like those face mask things. Okay. Okay. I was, I'm genuinely surprised because I didn't think he'd be able to wrestle so soon if his nose was actually broken. I thought he was hamming it up a little. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay. So, yeah. So Jer- Jericho has a broken nose. Um, he's real bitter about it, which makes sense now since it's real. Um, 
But even so, he says it's a big night for the JAS because we've got Daniel Garcia in the main event against Brian Danielson. We've got Sammy Guevara going up against Dante Martin with obviously Ty in his corner. And then um, Anna Jay, she doesn't have a match, but this is kind of her JAS coming out party. And she calls herself Anna JAS and says she's ready to choke everyone out um, and starts pointing out people in the crowd that she will choke out. How does everyone yeah. feel about Anna Jay? Uh, I don't know. Being here, being part of this. I feel great about it. Like I said last week, she chose friendship. <laughs> I'm supportive of choosing friendship. Okay. Okay. She's a mean girl now. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, JS has a big thing going on tonight. And uh, Jericho is here to demand his rematch for the championship from Moxley after two years of waiting. So he's he's ready to cash in. Um, he declares that they will have a match in two weeks at a show titled quake by the lake um which is a, a themed dynamite um i think in miss michigan maybe minnesota minnesota okay i was thinking cleveland because that's where i default to as far as lakes go but yeah so he wants this match and he wants to go for that interim title and john moxley after hearing all this bullshit just looks at him and he says God, I hate you, Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so perfect because he was so annoyed. Um, he tells do you, Mox. Do you remember? Do you remember when they were doing the storyline where the inner circle was trying to recruit John Moxley? Yes. And he, faked, and he faked that he was gonna join, and they were all celebrating. And he finally said, <laughs> he finally said, like, uh, you know, um, I'm not going to join the inner circle. It's a stupid group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Moxie, uh, I like his perfunctory way of just, just getting to the point. Yeah. Like stupid group. I hate you, Chris Jericho. He <laughs> just says what's on his mind and it's perfect. Brian Danielson says that he is, he just said in an interview yesterday that I listened to that he thinks that Moxley <laughs> is the funniest person in the AW locker room. <laughs> I kind of believe that. I also can see it like like he's funny, but not always because he's trying, just because he's Moxley. I was going to say, I think he's like unintentionally funny a lot of times. I don't think so. I think he's just very dry. I'll, I'll never forget what he said when he was when he was leaving uh, WWE and he's like and he like refused to look at the, the last offer they made him. And he said, like, well, I know, I know if I look at it. I'm going to like, I'm going to feel conflicted and I can't believe, I can't believe they're making me walk away from all this money. I, I like money, like, <laughs> I, but they're, they're, it's so bad that I'm walking away from all this money. I, I love it. He's so, so Midwestern. Good Lord. I love it. So good. Um, But yeah, so like. He's very straightforward about how much he hates Chris Jericho. Um, he does say that he used to look up to Chris Jericho, but as of late, all of Jericho's gimmicks have been very pathetic. Like, he can't quite get the nicknames right. He says Le Champion, and I think he, like, he calls him, like, ratings guy or whatever. Like, he can't <laughs> he can't get that, the nickname Jericho gave himself correct. That um, one was terrible. <laughs> But he's like, he's over it, which I think is really funny because it's like Jericho. Yeah, that's funny. Like, 
your your gimmicks are like he also said what are you a magician or a wizard or something yeah he said a magician yeah ratings yeah. guy would be like the the thanos to demo god's dark side if we were like <laughs> just like well um what we want somebody that has all the powers of dark side but we want to own the ip <laughs> <laughs> ratings guy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean moxley's very funny that's that's the vibe um so he's like tearing down all these gimmick versions of jericho and he says sure like i'll fight you at this quake by the lake and i'll put up the championship and he tells he says nobody put interim in front of it because that's bullshit like this is the championship and i have it and when you come at me jericho i don't want the wizard or the magician i want you to come at me as the guy from when i was younger he wants Lionheart Chris Jericho to be the one that shows up because this is the AEW World Championship. It's the best belt in the business and it deserves that level of respect. And Jericho looks insulted but also like affected by this request. And so I think, I hope to God we don't get the pain maker, but I think Jericho God. he got a little fire set under him, you know? Yeah, um, this was terrific. Uh, Moxley rules and this match is going to do a big number. I can almost guarantee it um, because these two have not had a match since the main event of Revolution 2020. And I think we now understand why Jericho beat Eddie Kingston last week. And uh, I also like that they are, yeah, that they're, they're basically like using their last big match to build to this. Hopefully they'll do show like a video package from that match next week. Oh yeah. I would, I would hope that they capitalize on that. It's TK is pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll license the song. He's also good at putting so much on a show that things like that sometimes fall by the wayside because there's not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fair. He gets his, his eyes are bigger than his stomach as far as mm-hmm. programming mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, semi-related to that, in a way, um, we learn that the AEW World Trios Championships are coming, and there will be a tournament. More belts! Yeah, but these are the belts we want. But why did we need the last belt? Well... If this was coming. They're actually doing something, I think they're doing interesting things with that belt. Because it's being defended in Europe. And then they're showing matches on on uh, dark is that interesting to show them on youtube i think so i wish they would show them on dynamite or tell me that they're on dark because they uh later on in the show they do like show pack defending his title but they didn't say it was available on dark they just like talked about it i would like to see some of these matches yeah Yeah. oh i mean otherwise what's the point of it if you're not telling people about it anyway i'm excited about the trios championships i've won a trios title since the day the promotion opened so this is good yeah i'm into it um they did not announce any info about like who will be involved in this tournament just yet just that it's coming and i believe they said 
it almost implied the graphic that it's going to start at All Out or near there. I, maybe I'm just reading into it, but we have a little time, I think. I'd have to look at the graphic because I thought that the graphic, my interpretation of the graphic is that the champions were going to be crowned at All Out. Oh, I mean, it's entirely possible I misinterpreted it, but they just said coming soon, trios. Hmm. Tournament. Um, Did they show what the belt looked like? Yes, they had them at the. Uh, they had them at ringside. Yeah, they look like belts. I know that that's unsatisfying, but I am. I am not a belt connoisseur like uh, some of our listeners and uh, our friend Jason Spencer specifically. So, and Andy, did you think the belts looked good? I mean, they're gold and circular. I think they look fine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny, that's what I'm, I took away from it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that much of a belt guy either, though, as far as like aesthetics, you know. Yeah. I think I notice when belts look horrendous, but I don't, if they're well designed, I'm kind of just like, okay, it's a belt. Or if they're like really small or really large, I notice as well. <laughs> yes. Like the first AEW women's belts. Yeah, we knew what you were talking about. <laughs> well, I would even categorize now, like in the opposite way, the Owen Hart belts. Yes, they are, those are very long. Those you were could the two I was thinking of. You could see them from space. Like they're yeah. so mm-hmm. huge. <laughs> so yeah. So these fall somewhere in between. I'm gonna go with they look fine. But we uh we'll actually see them when when that tournament occurs. Uh and hopefully we'll get more details soon because if you think about it, frighteningly, September is not that far away. Yeah, drink that in, Jenny. Um, but while you're doing that, we go backstage where Tony Schiavone is interviewing Dante Martin because one of the matches that Jericho had mentioned for tonight is that Sammy is going to face Dante Martin. Um, Dante says he knows that Sammy's going to have his girl Ty at ringside, so it's only fair that he have some backup of his own. And he says it's going to be sky blue. And Sky Blue shows up, and Dante grins so goofily at his girlfriend without saying she's his girlfriend. But it's like the the like cutest dorkiest like look on his face where he's just like, "That's my girl." Yeah, what a fucking nerd. <laughs> there were, I so you told us that they were in a relationship a while ago because you watch Ethan Page Page's blog, yes. or blog, but like where all the scoops are. And I appreciate that, but like their interactions are so awkward. And I'm like, you've been together for a while at this point, right? Like you know how to engage with each other, right? Yeah. Like it's so it was their first time engaging with each other in public television, right? Yes. I, yeah. I mean, that's gotta feel different. Jenny, so the weird thing is they like the only way that they imply that they're a couple is because Sammy and Ty are a couple and they are supposed to be like the ant, like the, the compliment to them, but they never on this show say like, this is his girlfriend. Oh, that's it's, odd. Yeah. It's, it's like a weird, like how affectionate are we supposed to be with each other or should we not? Or like, I, maybe that's what's playing into it. But I was just like, this is so awkward. So, yeah. That's uh, we'll get to that match though. It's not yet. 
the next match we have is actually for the FTW World Championship, a title belt that Jenny and I very explicitly don't believe is uh, real. But regardless, Ricky Starks holds it, and Danhausen is here to challenge for it. <laughs> um, this match is not super long. Uh, before it starts, we get an amazing Ricky Starks hype video where he is... <laughs> I, And I mean this as a compliment. He looks like an 80s Miami drug lord because he <laughs> is wearing turtlenecks, gold chains, and he's walking through an, a mansion that is obviously not his, but, like, it's just so 80s, and I, it's it's amazing. Like, it's incredible. The video is perfection. I love it so much. Um, but, yeah. It's very good. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, clearly Ricky is the the important one here because Dan Housen did not get any sort of video. He he just got a regular entrance. Um, but this match does not last long. Uh, Danhausen unfortunately doesn't is not able to mount a good defense. He um he tries to combine his curse motion with Ricky's like hand to the forehead move. Uh, Ricky attacks him and then like immediately shows him how it's done by doing it himself. Uh, shortly after that, he spears Danhausen and gets the pin. Yes. But he was, but he was, you know, he was, he was indicating that his neck was not quite tip top uh, throughout. It, it's true. I, and spearing, as we've learned from Edge, not good for the neck. And Nikki. And Nikki, yeah. And Nikki, yes. Although she was doing the, uh, the rack attack. I feel like that too was really bad for her neck. Uh, it was a spear that she did on um, Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze that caused her to. Jammer neck. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because she was she was going to one side of the body and he thought she was gonna go to the other side, so he moved and she like basically like her her head just hit his stomach head on. Oh. oh. Like when she was when she was you know, when she was expecting for her shoulder to hit him. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. So Hey, if you got A and E out there. Apparently that Bella's uh, biography episode was uh, really good, so check it out. Oh, hot reco. Yeah, we don't have A&E, though, so we don't have a way to watch it. Nope. I don't think I have... Well, I don't know if my parents... Yes, I leech off my parents' cable. I'm a millennial. (laughs) Um, I don't know if they have A&E, though. I'll have to check. Hey, we do, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah, we haven't paid our parents in months. That's the I think that's I think that's out the window now. Yeah, I think that's the <laughs> money's just ours. Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of your parents. They're uh, they're letting you have some cable. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but yeah. So Ricky, uh, whether or not his neck injury is legit, he's definitely nursing it. And then he, despite this, after the match, he gets on the mic again, just like last week. And requests another challenger. And he says specifically, it's for real this time. So he's not going to back out should anybody appear. He looks like he's about to give up on anybody showing up and getting ready to leave the ring when Hook's music hits. And, you know, Hook's here. Hook's wearing orange trunks. Um, Taz, on commentary, immediately abandons his boy, Ricky, and says, big mistake, (laughs) Ricky. (laughs) Um, so, As he should. 
yeah, I mean, it is his son, so I'll give him that. It's just funny how quickly he goes from Ricky's the FTW championship. He's he's great or champion. He's great to like, uh oh, you're screwed. Um, no, he's a good father, unlike Billy Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough comparison, but yes, I will I will agree with you there. Um, he does Taz does to his credit say that Ricky trained Hook, so in theory, Ricky should know all his moves and be prepared but that doesn't help ricky because um ricky loses hook actually taps him out to the red room but the way he gets there is that he counters ricky's attempt at a rochambeau so it looked really cool and uh i don't know it was just like he this match was not contentious ricky looked sad but he offered a fist bump to hook as a sign of respect as hook was like leaving so i I feel like I don't know. I expected Ricky to be a little less mature, but it it was nice. He lost the title, but he like he seemed like an adult about it. I mean, yeah. This is the only way this title makes sense and I can support it. I was about to say, does this like I mean, somewhat legitimize the title to yeah, you? Yeah, the father created a <laughs> fake title and now his son holds it. I'm fine with that. Just, now Jenny just let it be there. Jenny, does his son have to like never lose it and basically die with it at this point? I, like I think his son retires it at some point. Like, I think let's just, like, leave it. <laughs> leave it with Hook, and then ultimately it's just done. Okay. So you won't be upset if he's not, like, a fighting champion? Just, like, no, sets it aside and is like, I'm good. Yeah. I think it's it's made its full course. It's had its full <laughs> journey. And now we're done. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see what Hook does with it. He takes it and leaves. Um as far as tonight. Uh, but then we go to commercial. And when we come back, Tony Schiavone is out there to talk to Ricky uh, in the ring. And Powerhouse Hobbs is with him because, you know, they're buds and a tag team. Um, and Ricky Ricky has, like, a, a moment of truth, I feel like. Uh, you know, how all promos are sort of, like, better if there's a grain of truth in there. And he he says, I'm okay with losing, but I really want everyone to, like, Give me credit for how much I've done with this belt, like how far I've carried it, the credit or like the gravitas I've kind of brought to it. And the crowd is like pretty on board for this, this thing he's claiming. And then he says he's tired of of everyone telling him it's not his time. Like it, it was your time a month ago, a week ago. And he's, he like, he goes very John Cena on this and he just screams into the microphone. My time is now. Um, <laughs> Which I'm like, okay, Ricky. Like, I was very on board with him. I'm like, you're, I like you. You're great. You you held a belt I didn't think was real, but I like <laughs> you as a character and a person. Um, So there's very positive energy around this. And then, out of nowhere, and for no apparent reason, Powerhouse Hobbs clocks him and starts beating him up. And uh, very quickly, he has destroyed him. And the segment ends with Hobbs standing over Ricky, looking angry at him what is going on what's going on is you witnessed uh ricky starks turning babyface wait he wasn't already babyface he was a heel who the crowd had decided they loved Mm. Mm, that's fun yeah but now he's a babyface and now he can have a big match with hobbs hopefully at uh at all out or one of the big shows coming up here and and then uh 
and then move on to uh, Onward and Upward as a as a big baby face. I think he's going to do great. Yeah, I I was just so sad that his in one night he lost his belt and he lost his friend. Yeah, that's that's a tough night. And what do, you, team, what do you what do you think the state of Team Taz is at this point? I was gonna say I'm I'm assuming there isn't one, right? Like, I mean, I guess Hook and Ricky is Hook in it. That they never like broke <clears throat> up. Yeah, but see, that's TK does like uh, soft breakups of stables. <laughs> like he do, he do, he never nothing ever ends decisively. They're kind of just ghosted. Yeah. Yeah. Did just like but, Joey Janela and uh, Marco Stunt. Oh. But did like um weren't Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky referring to themselves as Team Taz, as like a tag team almost? I don't think so. I think it's. I, I really don't. I think it's mostly been uh, you know, like Starks and Hobbs. Okay. Then yeah, I guess Team Taz is. Like not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, I'm glad, glad like Starks and and Hook seem to be okay with each other. Even though I think Hook's just gonna go do other things. Um. I like the respect between the trainer and the trainee. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's. I thought like I thought this was like just a absolutely sensational about you know about 15 minutes of tv all all in from from the danhausen thing through the hook win through the starks promo through the big turn i loved it all i thought it was just absolutely uh masterfully executed agreed it was it was very entertaining um and i i really do hope for the best for starks i think he's great he's amazing and I guess as a baby face, he'll probably do great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. From there, from that that breakup, um, we go uh, somewhere backstage, I think, and the Acclaimed uh, is getting hyped because they're about to cut a promo on the gun club. And they, like, call out the ass boys and remind them that they humiliated them in their rap battle last week on Rampage. And apparently intend to do it again on this week's Rampage, which is this Friday in the future. Um, so they they say that they will be revealing the type of match that they're challenging the Ass Boys to in a live, well, not live, in a music video that's going to be on Rampage on Friday. Mm-hmm. Did I parse that correctly, Andy? Because there's a yes. lot of stuff going on. Okay. Yes, you did. I was confused. I thought we were going to see the music video right then. And then I, the yeah. match was going to be on Friday. But but when the match did not, when the music video did not air, I realized like, okay, so it must, that part is Friday. And then the match is at some yet to be determined date. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was a little like, um, like they just kept saying things that were going to happen. And then like you, I believed that the video was coming and then it just didn't. I was disappointed. I really like their videos. The remember the, remember the goth phase video. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that was incredible. Uh, well, I guess look forward to Friday because they're, uh, they're going to put something together. I'm, I'm curious about both the content of the video and 
the special type of match that they plan on challenging them to because if they have to do a music video for it i'm assuming it's not just a regular ass match but we'll see on rampage on friday mm-hmm. uh for now the match on this here show that is next up is the sammy guevara dante martin match that we had heard talk of previously um these two boys are both very athletic, very good at jumping around, uh, doing high-flying, airborne sort of things. And so, of course, to me, this match was great and super fun. Um, Ty was there. Sky Blue was there. At one point, Sammy decided he was done with this match because Dante had the audacity to like do a flip off the top rope and avoid him. And he's tried to walk away with Ty and... Uh, Dante was like, hell nah. And so he chased him down and attacked him. Um, And then (laughs) to highlight how their relationship is going, Dante, uh, Ty and Sammy had been like, you know, tonguing the way they do. And so Dante gave Sky Blue a very awkward, very chaste peck on the cheek in response, which I thought was uh, both really funny and like, do you two know each other? How long have you been dating? What is happening? Um, but yeah, I, I thought this match was like very fun. A lot of, lot of athleticism going on. And you know how I love that. So uh, ultimately, Sammy got the win. But Dante did not look bad. No, he didn't. Although he's another one where I just keep thinking like, okay, he needs. The time has to come where he gets his win. Yeah, he does seem kind of like like directionless as as far as it's going right now. Like he gets matches on television, but I don't they don't seem to connect to anything. Like an arc. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um but no, I did like this and I, I figured I figured that he was doomed and that uh that uh Samuel was was probably going to get the win here based on who's slotted where right now. Ugh. Samuel yeah, um, so Samuel does get the win. And then afterwards, because he's such a great sport, he and Ty start to beat up Dante. Sky Blue takes her sweet time getting in there to intervene, and she starts arguing with Tay. And this is when Anna J runs down and starts attacking Sky Blue. And because of the just, like, overwhelming, like, like it's the same number of people versus two versus two, but Sky Blue and Dante are losing. So Ruby Soho, Eddie Kingston, and Ortiz all run down to make the save and chase, chase away the baddies. Oh, um, yeah, no, I don't think there was another person. I was I was thinking Sammy might have gotten some more help, but no. I feel like Sky Blue and Dante just failed um, to defend themselves, but yeah. So the good guys had to run down. Oh, Anna and... Jay was there. Yes. Oh, that's right. Okay, so Anna Jay... Attack Sky Blue. Yeah, okay. So that's numerically, they were outnumbered. I was like, why could Dante and Sky Blue not fight back? But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. the good guys had to run in and chase away the bad guys. Uh, but yeah, tough time for them. Yeah. Um, yes. So, and then Ruby said, whose music played? Because I guess this is primarily a uh, a women's feud, I guess. Is what they're telling us. Yeah. I also just thought 
I don't know, maybe her song's the most catchy. <laughs> like you said, is it terrible to think? I'm like, of those three? Oh. I mean, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, we retreated during this match, just unrelated. Uh, Dante got kicked, Ball Watch 2022. And then Taz described for the ladies that getting kicked in the yam bag feels like your gut's filling with warm water and then you throw up inside yourself. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, Taz. <laughs> What a fun description. Fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah. Share that with the listeners. <laughs> uh, after that match uh, and description from Taz, we got an interview with Tony Schiavone talking to Daniel Garcia in the back. Garcia says he's been in the ring getting sharper and better every single week. And then he says, where have you been, Brian? Have you been farming with your children or something? <laughs> like Equally patronizing. Um he believes he will be like the people will be calling him the greatest technical wrestler in the world after he beats Danielson tonight. And he uh-huh. looks really confident. No. Greatest technical sports entertainer. You're right. Yeah. You're right. My instinct said right wrestler because that's what these people are. Hmm. But it's good that you specify. So, yeah, he's he's going into it. tonight. Very, very confident. Best sports entertainer. You know, Chris Jericho hasn't awarded anybody sports entertainer of the evening recently. Just throwing that out there. It's true. He hasn't. Has he not been on? I guess he hasn't been on Rampage that much of late. That's where he would do it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I just, yeah, I don't remember seeing that lately. Get out there, Jericho. But anyway, so after that. We go to where Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh are hanging out somewhere backstage. And uh, they are talking about how Jay lost against Samojo at Death Before Dishonor. But, like, that's fine. That's fine. Like, It was an illegal choke. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? It'll lobby against it, but what's done is done. Um, but that's okay because Jay's got other unfinished business with the best friends. And he starts... Trash talking them, and then the best friends wander in, and they're like, um, "We're literally like ten feet away from you. You think we're not going to hear this?" And so they, uh, they're like, "Hey, Sanjay, you're not much of a wrestler, but what do you say? You, what do we? We're going to do this thing." And they fire him up in a way that, like, he stupidly is like, "Yes, I will give you a trios match." So it's going to be Jay, Sanjay, and Satnam Singh on Rampage against the best friends, which are currently. Trent, Chuck, and Orange. Yep. We're going to see the original playa from the Himalayas uh, in action for the first time in a long time. What does that mean? That was his nickname. He was the the playa from the Himalayas. Okay. It's okay. Okay. I don't believe he's from the Himalayas. Well, (laughs) no. Um, since he's been only shown on this television show as kind of a manager, like how, how is he as a wrestler? I mean, he was a great wrestler. Um, he was like one of the, he was one of the, um, like key guys in TNA's X division back in its glory days. Oh, well, that's fun to hear like that. Yeah. He also hasn't wrestled in five years, so. Hmm. His last match was, in fact, uh, for the Powerbomb.tv independent title 
as champion Jonathan Gresham uh, defended against Sanjay Dutt successfully. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, looks like the last time he wrestled regularly was it was he had he he was in Impact in 2017, and he must have just like wrestled out his contract there or whatever, and then decided it was time to hang him up. Okay. CM Punk was away for seven years, so he's yeah he's got two years on him. So fingers crossed, this goes well. How old old Sanjay is? You know, it's hard to tell. Just it doesn't because... help that it doesn't help that there's a Sanjay Dutt who is a uh, a uh, famous uh, Indian actor who kind of messes up some of that <laughs> SEO. Of course, of course. Uh, Sanjay's down. forty, so that's he's he'll be fine. Oh, okay. I don't know that I'd have pegged him that old. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see what he's got on Friday. Um, Satnam Singh, obviously, is the, the big giant monster that has no um, compliment on the best friend side. So I'm sure he will run amok a bit. But we'll see Friday. Uh, after that, we go back to the ring where Tony Shabani is uh, here to talk to Jungle Boy. He calls him out. And uh, he wants to ask him, like, you know, Christian has been doing his thing the last couple weeks, like, and you just returned. So uh, do you have any response to his shenanigans um, and bad mouthing of your family? And Jungle Boy takes a minute, (laughs) takes a deep breath, and he screams into the mic, Christian Cage, you are the biggest pussy I have ever met in my entire life. And people, like, they cut to the crowd. Ladies were clutching their pearls, fainting. Just like this young boy, he he said some horrible words, you know. <laughs> yep the uh, the route they've decided to go with Jungle Boy, while he improves as a promo, is uh, just have him say a lot of like hard ass shit to get reactions. Because <laughs> I, I think that'll do a good job masking his abilities until he gets him up to snuff. Um. He did say some heinous things that I was like, yeah. holy shit. He said some real wild shit uh, <laughs> on the show. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, like, we'll get into that. That that was the opener, and I should have done what was, known what was coming, because that set the tone. But um, Jungle Boy goes on to say, like, Christian, I totally didn't get why you were so angry at me at first. I mean, I beat you at a battle royale, and, like, so what? Like, years ago. And then it turns out, that he's like, I thought about it, and, you know, you get money for those. And I finally figured out that you were strapped for cash after your wife divorced you. And people in the crowd, it was like a Maury crowd. They were like, oh, shit. Whoa. <laughs> like, they, were, they were very much like, did he say that? And the answer is yes, he did say that. So um, didn't realize Christian was divorced, but Jungle Boy does the call me hand signal uh, presumably to christian's ex-wife which is a callback to christian doing it to jungle boy's mom yeah i think it's warranted i think he's allowed to do that (laughs) um so uh, tony tries to get things back on 
track and he he says hey what about the whole like luchasaurus thing because luchasaurus is out here with him and he's like you know what was his deal and chris jungle boy says christian needed someone to protect him so he found a monster but what he didn't <gasps> realize well i mean luchasaurus is a big dinosaur monster jenny <laughs> you seemed offended on his part and that's what he is <laughs> But uh, he's been working with him for like four or five years now. He's not a monster. Well, to Christian he was. And Jungle Boy does call him his best friend. But he does say like Christian was only being protected by Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy's best friend again. Because Jungle Boy wanted to make sure that he was the one who got the first crack at Christian. So essentially Luchasaurus was protecting him from other people. But now Jungle Boy is going to kick some ass. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then it gets dark, guys, because Jungle Boy starts talking about how he and his uncle were in the process of digging his own father's grave, crying tears into the dirt. And then Christian from backstage interrupts, just <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I've got some words for you. And he first makes a play at Luchasaurus by telling him how much he could have helped his career if he had stuck with him. But that's his loss. And then he lets Jungle Boy know that the reason he ran away from him last week wasn't because he was afraid. It was a, it was because he was afraid of what he would do to him, Jungle Boy. Um, and then he says, you told me all your secrets, and now I'm going to prey on your weaknesses. And he also alludes to the fact that Jungle Boy will be put into the ground much like his dead father. Oh... Yeah. yeah, it's getting spicy. It is. I the this whole segment, I was just like, oh, like hands to my head, like, oh my god, what are we doing? <laughs> so many bad things are being said. What are we doing here, guys. Yeah. Oh, it's pouring out for a real one, Sebastian Vettel, on his retirement day. I would pour one out, but this is my desk, and there are electronics, so <laughs> instead, I will keep it in the glass. Fair enough. You will sip one out. Yeah. For you, homie. <clears throat> um, but yeah, Jungle Boy. What the hell? He's a real bad boy. So are they turning <laughs> Jungle Boy heel? No. No. Christian is just like a very, very bad man, so Jungle Boy had to had to bring a little harder than usual. Hmm. And he went for it. In a way I wasn't expecting, but you know what? I guess, okay, this is Jungle Boy now. Yeah. He's a bad... He's a jungle bad boy. Are they gonna rename him as Jungle Man at some point? I hope not. (laughs) Be bad. That seems upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. Okay, yeah, that was a spicy, spicy segment. Um, But from there, we do a 180 into a sad segment is what i would call it um because the young bucks Mm. backstage uh and it's a brandon cutler thing where he's like hey guys i'm videotaping and they're like brandon you didn't ask for this and we don't really feel like being on camera right now and brandon's like but but what about the trios titles and uh and that gets their attention in a way that like the young bucks the the vps of this company were not aware (laughs) There's trio titles happening. Um, so they're like, whoa, 
well, that sounds interesting. And Brandon's like, I could be your third. I'm, I'm so like ready and available. And they're like, "Mm, okay. And as they're trying to like soft pedal, no to Brandon, they turn the corner and see Adam page who kind of awkwardly looks at them. And then there's like, Oh, Hey guys. Uh, uh, oh, hey, happy birthday, Matt. And and he's like, oh, happy birthday, Adam. And they have this, like, moment where it's like, it's everybody's birthdays, right? Um, and then the Dark Order <laughs> run up to Adam to wish him a happy birthday and to give him a bowl of cake. And the, the young bucks look really awkward at this point. And Adam looks at them like, uh, but we're not done talking. But they're like, okay, we got to go. And so they walk away uh, as the Dark Order surround Adam and... You know, they're his friends, but they were so close, guys. They're so close to reuniting. So we think that the Bucks and Adam are going to be the first trios winners? I don't know if they're going to be the winners, but they're heavily teasing that they're going to be in the tournament. What trios do we even have left? I feel like they broke up all the trios. Death Triangle? Yeah. Is that happening still? I mean, technically, like Pac's not in the country right now, but he can he can come back for, you know. House of Black. House of Black, yeah. Let's see, let's see who else. Uh, um, you could do a a factory trio. Yeah. Of Solo, Camaroto, and a Gogo, or no one wants that. Marshall. I mean, uh, I want a Gogo. Mm. Adam Cole and. Uh, the you know the undisputed elite, yeah. those three. Gun Club. I don't think they're gonna win, but Gun Club are a trio. Yep. Um, Hung Bucks. Uh, you could do a Dark Order trio. Yeah. Um, Andrade, Roosh, and I don't know, like who else is in that stable? Angelico. Yeah, because the other people in the stable are a private party, and they're already a team. Right. Um, you could do a JAS team you could do like uh wait and helico's still with the company yes <laughs> it's true uh who else i'm looking i'm looking at the menu or not the menu i'm looking at the uh the roster here yeah i'm trying to think of factions and uh you could do a bcc trio oh yeah that'd be oh, great yeah um you could do let's see best friends in orange yeah Okay. Not best friends then. <laughs> best friends in orange, Jenny. Mm-hmm. He, he specified. Um, let's see. That might be it because Darby and Sting don't have like a regular guy that they. Oh, that they if, with. if Punk was around, man. Yeah. Of course, he would also probably be like the ideal partner for uh, FTR. Oh, that's true too. Um. You could do Kingston and uh, his buddies. Uh, Santana and Ortiz? Ortiz? Well, not Santana, because he's blew out his knee, and he's apparently not friends with Ortiz anymore. But um, Wait, what? What? Yeah, I told you guys about that. When did that happen? I don't know. They stopped, like, they're not teaming together on the... And he's been of the year, only a tag team, so they don't have a third. Um, Dan Lambert could throw in a, an American top team person. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay <laughs> Dutt. Famous, famous trio. Oh, um, here's a question. 
Yes. Would they be bold enough to do a mixed trio? Mm, probably. I bet they won't. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that might be about it. You know, that's still, I think, more than most wrestling companies have to pull from. Oh, definitely. So. Oh, it could be. It could be. Um. Sting, Darby, and Miro. Oh, but Miro is... Miro might be swayed to a different area. But he might not be. It's true. We don't don't know. Which, I mean, speaking of that, we've got one match before then, but we'll get to his fate. Uh, But the point is, AEW got a pretty decent trio's pool. Yeah, for sure. I'm into it. Looking forward to that tournament. So I, I I do hope that the Bucks and Adam can learn to be friends again, can can get back together. It seemed like Matt was going to spill his his heart in a way that he couldn't do over text on BTE. But he didn't get the chance. So does that mean that the Bucks will be faces or Adam will become a heel? Faces. They'll all be faces together. Yeah. Although, uh, at some point next week, I believe there was a, a card or like a title card for the fact that the Undisputed Elite are going to be addressing the, the crowd as a unit. Yeah. So. Adam Cole's back, baby. Where yeah. was he? Uh, he was injured at the yeah. Forbidden Door. But they're going to need to break up so that the Bucks can get with Adam. Just throwing that out there. The good Adam. Yes, the good, not the bad Adam. The good Adam. Number but, one Adam in the group. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I think it's very interesting. And I'm just really happy that uh, friendship is in the mix here. And it's it's sort of like a an emotional story arc, you know? Into it. But moving on from that. We're going to the next match. Which is holy god. Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. In a handicap match against Swerve Sterling. Where Keith Lee has been banned from ringside. Um, Mark Sterling has on his. His I'm not a wrestler. uh, But I am secretly a wrestler gear. I'm pretty sure it's all padded out because I don't think his body is that shape, but <laughs> he's, he's ready to go. Um, before the match, we see a recap of the segment from last week where uh, Nice and Sterling interrupted Swerve in our glorious celebration. Tony Nice got sucker punched by Kevin Gates and Mark Sterling got a cake smash in his face. Um, and between this and the last segment, I've got to say I was craving cake at this point, but I tried to not let it distract me. Um, as I watched, so uh, cake's really good. Jenny, Jenny is more partial <laughs> to pie, so but I miss cake. I don't like frosting. Yeah, you know you can like you can kind of pick around the frosting if you're not into it. That's what I do. I mean, I normally just scrape off all of my frosting and give it to Andy because I do like cake mm-hmm. itself. I just don't like the frosting on the cake. Um, but then sometimes like. Cake's dry without frosting. 
You know, though, my solution is I make cupcakes and then uh, I don't put frosting on them. And I like that. They see it seems like they they hold their moisture better because they're smaller increments. Okay, that makes hot sense. tip. If you don't like frosting, just do cupcakes. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a baker of brownies normally if I make a sweet treat because they're easy. They're very delicious, mm-hmm. and they don't require frosting. I like it. All true. Yeah. So. I was very hungry when I was watching this show, and I wanted some baked goods, but I did not get them because I was at home. Uh, but that's not even, like, the main point here. The main point is <laughs> that Swerve Strickland obviously wins this match. He pins Mark Sterling because, of course, like, of the two, this is the one you go with. Um, but, like, mostly it was it was a Swerve Strickland Tony Nese match. You know, Sterling didn't get involved until he absolutely had to. I believe he was the legal man to pin because Tony Nese had actually or accidentally run into him and they counted that as a tag. So he didn't want to be in, but he was and he got pinned. Um and that's that's how Swerve won. But I don't you know, it was a fine match. It was it was like uh it was a match. Yeah, it was a match. It, it served its purpose. Uh, I, I, what happened afterwards mystified me. <laughs> yes. So, so afterwards, um, we saw a shot of backstage where Keith Lee must have been watching, and he's unconscious on the ground, uh, and standing over him is a man named Josh Woods, who is apparently a Ring of Honor, I want to say up-and-comer, I I feel like they gave some backstory, but I did not write it down. So he was the Ring of Honor pure champion when Tony Khan bought the company. So he's the guy that we would you to beat for the pure title. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And his like, so his background is he is a, uh, he was like a really good amateur wrestler and he went to uh, like, he was recruited by WWE for the performance center. Oh, Okay. And so he ended up in ROH instead. Yeah, he got released. He never he never made TV. I don't think in NXT. And I don't I don't even know what name he was under, as you know, in, in NXT. But uh, he might not he might not have had a name change because you know he didn't make it in TV, so they didn't have a reason to change his name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then yeah, it says, so then he went to Ring of Honor in 2016, and that's where he's been ever since. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently he's good enough to jump Keith Lee and, and knock him out. Um, and the fact that this, like, showed up on the big screen, I'm assuming, because Swerve got distracted upon seeing this and Tony Nese attacked him. And so that was kind of like a kind of a depressing downer note to go out on is uh, Tony Nese standing tall over Swerve, even though Swerve won. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to think of Tony Nice. I mean, he's obviously uh, very in shape, but he doesn't win ever on my television. So no, I don't, I don't know. I think if you, I think if you expanded your horizons to the darks and elevations, you might have a different opinion of him. But who's doing that? Exactly, Not like I. extra effort. No, thank you. So yeah. Uh, Josh Woods is obviously going to be a thing in the future, hopefully on Dynamite, not on YouTube. 
We shall see, though. Um, but anyway, after that happened, uh, we got a, a quick promo from Malachi Black and Brody King. Malachi is speaking to Miro in his portion. He says that basically he doesn't think they're that different and even necessarily on opposite sides. Um, he says, look, this world is a hoax. We both live in a society where we worship people that add nothing of value. And I gotta say, I was like, kinda, yeah, gotcha, Malachi. Agreed. Um, but Malachi is like, hey, Miro, you spent your whole life worshiping this god that you put on a throne, but if you hang with me, like, I can I can get you your own spot on that throne. And so he's what? like, I, I mean, Malachi's like, come join us. Join us, Miro. He's gonna make him, like, a demigod? Why not? You can build a throne. Cody smashed a throne. It's fine. I thought Brody King's promo on Darby was even better than like I thought it was. I thought that was the highlight of this whole thing. Yes, yes. After after Malachi said his piece, Brody King stepped up and he basically is like, "Darby, I'm not going to stop pursuing you until literally you are in your grave." And so let's do a coffin match, which I think is going to be really fun. Honestly, I don't know when it's going to be, though. I will say that. Uh, me neither. I think I think that is a good way for Darby to get a win over Brody King without pinning him. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, knock him into a coffin, shut that lid. It it should be fun. I mean, and also like coffins are both of these guys' aesthetics, so it's going to be great. So yeah, that's kind of what the House of Black is after at this point. Um, after their promo, we got a pretty quick like little video package of Pac doing his latest All-Atlantic Championship title defense against a man named LJ Cleary. I don't remember what the promotion was, but obviously Pac won and, and kept his title. But he's out there doing his thing. He is out there doing his thing. Uh, I also didn't see the match because I didn't watch Dark, but... Um, I can tell you the promotion name, though. It looked like one of those little, like, European basement sort of yeah. deals. Oh, it was, um, it was, oh, wait, why didn't they? Did they not say? It wasn't, a... I thought it was overseas. I thought they definitely said Europe, was it not? Pack, so a cage match, which is usually a pretty good source on this, has it listed as from Orlando, but I think they're confused just because it, it aired on Dark. Hmm. Um, let me see. Pack versus LJ Cleary. Uh, where did that take place? That's like kind of. It's like annoying me. <laughs> Definitely Europe. Like they said, Europe. Yeah, I want to know where the, I want to know uh, where this was from. Ah, over the top OTT in Dublin, Ireland. Okay, cool. All yeah. right, I I do appreciate that Pack is out there doing his thing, and like, even though I'm not watching his matches, good for him. I do too. I hope he I hope he does make it back. Um, like for all out 
for a title defense or something that would be nice but i like i kind of I, I think it's kind of cool like in, in between time that he's out there just like beating up europeans yeah and if he was to defend his title at like an all-out or like any other pay-per-view really do you think like i think it'd be a fun opportunity to actually bring in like talent from overseas you know not necessarily even make it an aew only thing but maybe i'm just no yeah you're right like they could they could they could just like you know bring some hot indie guy from europe or japan in for just a date and and do a match yeah i think that'd be more interesting agreed yeah so um speaking of that the next match is actually uh miyu yamashita Yamashita, sorry, is Yamashita. Having, Yamashita, uh, up against Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Championship. This is Yamashita, um, cashing in on on basically the fact that she won against Thunder Rosa over in Japan, and um, I thought this match was a bit awkward, and I don't know why because both people seem talented in their own way, but like I just don't know that they like the chemistry connected there was a lot of missed spots as far as like timing so it was a little rough yes uh there were moments most of them were yamashita's moments and uh otherwise uh it was just a match yeah um i don't know her kicks looked good yes yes and they kept touting her karate background uh but, like, other than that, I know nothing about her. It just seemed like, man, there were some rough spots where, like, I think that they were, I don't know if it was, like, communication or what, but it's just, it didn't gel in the way I thought it would. Um, and Thunder Rosa, yeah. obviously, like, she she got the win to keep her title. But it was, uh, I think I was expecting a better match, and I, it just was rough. A little rough. Totally. So yeah, okay. So with that, <laughs> from there we go to the main event. It is Daniel Garcia against Brian Danielson for the the title of best technical sports entertainer and or wrestler, depending on who wins. Um, <laughs> so I thought this was like kind of an interesting way to bookend the show because if you'll remember, Moxley and Roosh were the first match. And they got bloodied up, and it was really fast-paced and hard-hitting. In this match, Danielson gets bloodied up pretty early on. Um, and it's hard-hitting, but it's a little more methodical between the, these two men. Um, a lot of technical wrestling. And at one point, Danielson, I am hoping and believe kayfabe, like, suffers a head injury. Because of, you know, he's coming back from a concussion. And so... Mm-hmm. This this was like their chance to show that Garcia is like he doesn't stop his attack. He's he's still very aggressively going after him. And it's almost like yay weakness, um, which is, you know, a shitty look for him. But he does it. Um, and also it plays into the ending where um, Daniel Garcia ultimately gets Brian Danielson into a figure four leg lock. And Danielson doesn't tap out he just passes out because of how like like garcia like gets super deep into it it danielson looks very bendy as far as like being able to take that but like uh the implication is like his head is hurting 
And so that probably doesn't help. Um, and he just passes out. Yeah. Fucking Jake Hager is goddamn arm. Yeah. Yeah. Mystery mystery arm yeah. just shoots out. <laughs> Do you think Daniel Garcia knew? About Hager? Yeah. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't positioned to see it. Ooh, maybe not. Because I feel like if he, if he knew there was going to be interference, it wouldn't have been as like cloak and dagger. Oh no, the JS doesn't have faith in him. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. I don't know. I thought this match was great though, and I thought uh, I was very surprised at the upset. Me too. I really, I expected Garcia to put up a really, really strong offense, but the BCC is so strong and Brian Danielson is like Brian Danielson. So seeing him lose was unexpected. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hey, but I, I feel like this was kind of a show where they they really strongly positioned young talent like Hook and Starks and Garcia um, for, you know, more prominent things going forward. So this was this was like definitely the biggest win of his career. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And like Sammy and Dante, both young. Oof. We're seeing we're seeing the revolution. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was the show. That was um, I thought a really, really good stri- show. Really strong. Other than like, I hate to say it, but the women's match was rough. Um, don't like when that happens. But yeah, other than that, I thought it was a really good two hours. Yeah, me too. I thought it was great. Uh, really happy with the show. Yeah. Well, thanks, Megan, for the dynamite recap and. Uh, that kind of takes us to the end of our show where we wrap up with what we like to call the elite beat plug of the week. And uh, Megan, why don't you start us off this week? Okay. Um, my plug is a show called the rehearsal. Um, it's on HBO max. And this, this is, uh, I, I look, checked into it as a result of like other podcasts, people talking about it. And it is, um, man, it's it speaks to me in ways I, I didn't know that it could. But it's basically this show about, it's a comedian who... Um, Nathan Fielder. Yes, Nathan Fielder, who is, like, helping people to um, rehearse a big moment in their lives. So, like, the first episode, he's helping this man who wants to reveal to his friends that like he lied about having a master's degree, which I don't know to me sound, it was like, Oh, well, why don't you just tell them? But like, it was like a big pivotal moment for him. So the way that they do it on the show is Nathan Fielder sets up literally like the location that this has to happen. He, he creates a replica. They hire actors. They run through the scenario with actors to, essentially like parse out like the best path of conversation to have the best outcome uh and it is wild because as an anxious person 
there have been times when I like I would love to have the opportunity to do something like this, but it is also it is also like wow, you shouldn't need to put this much effort into something so simple, but uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. There are funny moments. There are also like kind of emotional moments. Um and it's like coming out now, so there's only two episodes, but I was hooked by the first one. Like it was just it's like nothing I've ever seen before. And it's incredible. And the way he introduces the show is his first guest. He is explaining what he's going to do. And he says, do you think this conversation went well? And the guy's like, sure, yeah. And he's like, well, that's not a mistake because I practice it a thousand times with uh, an actor in in basically like a replica of your apartment, uh, like two miles down the street. And the guy's oh. like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, Weird. Like, it is so wild i i just cannot get over it it's it's amazing he says do you remember a couple of weeks ago when (laughs) someone came by and said they had to check for your building for a gas leak yes and he says yes and he says well that was my team and while one of them was distracting you in the kitchen the others were creating a 3d model scanning your house and creating a 3d model of your apartment so we could recreate it that's so creepy (laughs) it's Jenny, okay, so Andy, it sounds like you've watched it. Jenny, I I fully don't know if you would like it or not, but it's such a thing. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah, like Jenny, I can't would, get Jenny over would absolutely it. hate it. Oh, I can't get not over it. At all. Yeah. Are you keeping up on um, uh, the Jonas show? Yeah, the Jonas show. Oh hell yeah, I am. Okay, we haven't watched about... the third. We haven't watched the third episode yet, but I, I I'm, I'm I'm really into that show. <laughs> Okay, I didn't I didn't want to text because you hadn't texted on like Tuesday yeah. after it was available on Hulu, but I was like, Oh my god, stuff's happening on the Jonah show. Oh. Oh, I'm excited. That's intriguing. Yeah. Text okay, me all your so, thoughts. So that's the rehearsal on HBO Max. Um, two episodes out so far. Jenny, plug of the week. Well, I have not officially plugged this yet. But I know the listeners will have heard me speak of it. Okay. In previous years. I don't even know what. I'm so curious. I got back into Escape to the Chateau. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a um, a new season up. I don't think it's that new because it didn't say new at the bottom. I think I just missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's on Peacock. And um, it is about a British couple who buy a very run-down, not-livable chateau in France. And um, the man is an ex-army engineer, so he's got skills, Mm -hmm. and he can put in heating and electricity and... Plumbing. Plumbing and all sorts of wonderful things. And uh, the woman is um, going to quote artist, uh, decorator... (laughs) And uh, she can then make those things sometimes questionable after he's done so many, so much hard work. Um, but it's really entertaining. It's so, like, cool to see the Chateau being done. And um, it got me through the pandemic. And I want to live in France and buy my own Chateau. <laughs> All right. That's fair. Uh, great. Okay. So that is. Escape to the Chateau on Peacock. <laughs> 
Steve the Chateau on Peacock. The engineering alone is worth a watch. If if you don't if you aren't compelled by the idea of a chateau in France, uh the husband is <sighs> the shit he does is incredible. Yeah. Truly. Okay, uh that takes it to me. And I am I don't really have anything this week. I've read some. I've read some more comics. I read some X Men comics. I'm I'm into the uh, the Phoenix, like the first part of the Phoenix saga now. Yay! Um, I know that that will end, and then there will be like a a gap, and then the Dark Phoenix saga will happen. Uh, but I'm still in the first part. Um, I have been playing some NBA 2K22 this week, which uh is a game I got back around. Christmas and had some trouble getting into this year. That was my Christmas present to you. It was. And you didn't like it? I got frustrated with it because my career save got corrupted and I had to delete it oh. and start over. Uh, and no. I kind of just didn't want to do that right at that moment. Sure. So, but now a few months have passed and I'm, I'm, I'm back into it. So, and as usual, uh, it is, it's the best playing basketball game series of all time with like very easily. Um, it's been around since 1999 on the Dreamcast. Are there um, any competing like com- like John, gen- not genres, uh, any compete- competing franchises? Yes. Uh, so there w- the, the, the big, the big franchise, the Madden of uh, NBA was called NBA live. Mm, and okay. e- EA made that game like they make Madden and uh, Sega created the 2K series for the Dreamcast and it was so good that it I think like it started out selling NBA Live by its third year and then pretty much drove it completely out of business by like 2009 damn yeah, and NBA Live is like they've tried to revive it a couple of times, but it never works because it's just for whatever reason they can't they just can't like compete with what uh with what uh two K is uh, is doing. Damn, okay. Yeah. So I love that game, having a lot of fun with it. Um I wish I hadn't eaten my save, because now I'm worried <laughs> it's gonna happen again <laughs> at some point, but that is like the shittiest thing a game can do to you to like kill your trust. Yeah, no, for sure. But, you know, can't live in fear, so I'll, I'll continue to play. Uh, but, yeah, but that's yeah, that's my plug, and uh, been having fun with it. Awesome. All right, guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that's Plug of the Week, and uh, we have been going a long time, so let's get out of here. Uh, see you next week. For Megan and Jenny, I'm Andy. This is the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. E E Lee B